Hello again, and welcome to A1 Insights, where nurses share the latest issues and trends in the perinatal space. I'm your host, Sophia Navard, and today we'll be discussing the Joint Commission's new standards for perinatal safety. In order to learn more, we are joined today by Dr. Tony Swinson, Division Director of Clinical Education at St. David's Healthcare, Dr. Jean Salera Vieira, Director of Clinical Program Development at A1, and Dr. Susan Hale, Manager of Clinical Program Development at A1. We will hear a brief overview of the new standards, receive tips for nurses and other healthcare providers, and go over the resources that are currently available to help our listeners prepare. Now let's welcome Tony, Jean, and Susan. And we'll start with Tony. Tell us a bit about yourself and your clinical nursing background. Hi, uh, Sophia. I am prepared as a DNP, Women's Health Clinical Nurse Specialist. I've practiced as a labor and delivery nurse for just under 25 years of my nursing career. Uh, about half of that time I've spent in clinical education uh, either as a department-specific clinical educator and now at a systems level as a director for clinical education. Um, I enjoy my role simply because it allows me to do all of these things related to perinatal quality improvement as well as prepare uh, nurses and overall clinicians to um, essentially respond in a manner that's based on evidence-based practice and provide the education that they need to take care of their patients and optimize outcomes. Thank you, Tony. And Jean, tell us a bit about yourself and your clinical nursing background. I'm, I'm happy to. Thank you very much, Sophia. I am also a, a DNP prepared women's health clinical nurse specialist. I'm actually a licensed clinical nurse specialist in the state of Rhode Island. And prior to coming to A1, I have many years um, in perinatal background, including labor and delivery, and also in perinatal leadership roles in both high-risk and community hospitals, which gives me a balanced view um, as to what both of those areas of practice are dealing with with these new Joint Commission standards. Um, Additionally, I'm also certified in inpatient obstetrics fetal monitoring, and I have the new obstetric and neonatal quality and safety certification, and I am um, a speaker on safety issues in the perinatal setting. So I'm really looking forward to our discussion today and how we can help our nurses prepare for the new Joint Commission standards that are coming. Wonderful. And last but not least, Susan, tell us a bit about yourself and your clinical nursing background. Thank you, Sophia. I am also a DMP prepared nurse. I have worked in obstetrics for the past 26 years um, from level ones and level three hospitals. I've worked at the bedside management, education, um, in the office setting, so but it's all been obstetrics. I am also certified in uh, inpatient OB and fetal monitoring, um, and I am an instructor for the A1 OPS program, which is the Obstetric Patient Safety Postpartum Hemorrhage uh, Program and fetal monitoring. So I am also looking forward to sharing anything um, that we can to help those um, who are listening. Perfect. Thank you, Susan. All right, now let's get started. So Tony, can you give us an overview and outline the importance of the Joint Commission standards and how these new updates will impact your institution? 
So the Joint Commission guidance essentially aligns with the awareness that already exists, that over 700 women die annually from pregnancy-related conditions. When pregnancy-related conditions are defined as death of a woman who's pregnant or within 42 days of termination of her pregnancy, regardless of the cause of death. They also highlight that many of these deaths are related to uh, cardiovascular conditions. But outside of that, when we look at the other uh, so-called two-thirds of the pregnancy-related deaths, about 18% of them are related to hemorrhage or a diagnosis that's in the hypertensive disorder of pregnancy category. So based on this awareness related to maternal mortality, they also uh, highlight that there are significant amounts of maternal morbidity that's also related to hemorrhage and blood transfusions related to postpartum hemorrhage, as well as hypertension and the hypertensive disorders like preeclampsia and eclampsia that can at times lead to uh, long-term sequelae that includes peripartum cardiomyopathy, strokes, or, or chronic kidney disease. So with this knowledge in place, they have aligned this guidance for Joint Commission accredited organizations that aligns well with recommendations that we know have been in place for a while from the Council on, Paternal, on Patient Safety and Women's Healthcare, as well as ACOG, A1, and some state organizations like the CMQCC, that we should have evidence-based procedures in place that helps us to be ready, recognize, respond, and learn from incidences of postpartum hemorrhage and hypertensive disorders in pregnancy. So their expectation for these organizations that are accredited by the Joint Commission are, includes 13 new elements of performance across the standards for maternal safety. And seven of these specifically address the uh, determining maternal hemorrhage and responding to maternal hemorrhage. So in those uh, seven elements, the expectation is that organizations will now be able to assess women as they're admitted to labor and delivery and postpartum related to the likelihood of risk for postpartum or maternal hemorrhage. They also expect that we will have evidence-based procedures that target stage management of pregnant and postpartum women, as well as have the supplies readily available for response in the event of, that an emergency hemorrhage occurs. The pieces that are key for me in my clinical practice are, includes expectations related to education and training. The Joint Commission now requires that all of the staff and providers that participate in treating pregnant and postpartum women receive education every two years, as well as drills annually with a debrief that specifically targets hemorrhage. The most important piece I believe related to this is that we include the response teams in these drills. Often in organizations, you may have response teams that respond to cardiac alerts or general rapid responses but they may not specifically target an incidence of hemorrhage. So now the expectation has changed that we must have a response team that specifically targets hemorrhage. And more importantly, the education piece rolls over into how we educate our patients while they're hospitalized during the incidence of hemorrhage and also at discharge that will impact their postpartum period. 
The expectation for the elements of performance related to severe hypertension and preeclampsia is just a tad bit different. They specifically speak to measuring and re-measuring blood pressure to ensure that that is done correctly so our diagnoses are aligned appropriately and our treatments aligned appropriately. We're also expected to, again, have evidence-based procedures for managing these pregnant and postpartum patients, as well as have medications readily available for response to a diagnosis of, of hypertension in pregnancy or preeclampsia. Again, we have an expectation of education every two years, as well as drills annually, and they specifically call out our emergency departments that should receive this education every two years, as well as the drills, regardless of if that organization provides inpatient obstetric or labor and delivery services. Again, we're asked to provide education to our patients during their stay and at discharge, including our, the patient's family members, and they highlight that we should have a warm handoff to follow-up care with the schedule of a post-discharge follow-up appointment. Now, considering these um, expectations or performance requirements by the Joint Commission, you would think that a lot of work is necessary. I don't believe a lot of work is necessary. For my organization specifically, because we're in Texas, we have been doing a lot of this work already just to align with Texas Alliance for Innovation in Maternal Health, um, and also to align with our designation requirements from CMS. So across Texas, all of the organizations who provide obstetric care are expected to meet specific requirements, and those align really well with the Joint Commission elements of performance. So we are somewhat already here, for us, the biggest piece of the work now is to essentially doing a cross work for the fine details of the designation requirements or the AIM requirements with the Joint Commission regulatory requirements. I think this is a perfect marriage of the work that we've been doing in maternity care for many, many years with the regulatory agencies that will now move this space from, move us from a space of guidance or recommendations to a place of expectation, and we will now likely see the changes that we would love to see with regards to maternal outcomes. Thank you so much, Tony. And now, Jean, what steps do you recommend nurses take in preparation for the new standards? Thank you, Sophie, and I really want to thank Tony for that um, detailed presentation on the new standards that are coming forward. I would recommend that nurses look for these drills in their facilities, look to participate in these drills and become as active participants and champions for change and, and look for opportunities to include evidence-based practice to help improve outcomes. Some ways that you can do this is to, if you have shared governance in your facility, become part of that committee, look at your policies and look at them in, to see if they are in alignment with the new Joint Commission standards that are coming forward, which are, which are easy to access online, the new Joint Commission standards. I would also um, recommend that nurses, uh, A1 members, join the hub at hub.a1.org forward slash home, because this is a place where you can have conversation with other A1 members. And when you look at the hub daily, you can see the conversation is happening and members are getting information from other members as to how they're incorporating these best practices in their facilities. 
I would agree with Tony that many hospitals are almost at, easy to get to these standards and are almost there, but there are some that are not quite there and there are tools that, that can help. And finally, I would say reach out for the perinatal nurses, reach out to your colleagues in the emergency department because this is new for them to be included in our perinatal um, work and help improve obstetric outcomes, but they are a willing group and I really would encourage that. And as always, we are available at A1 if you have a clinical question to write to the practice reference line at a1.org. Thank you, Jean. And Susan, what additional resources is A1 developing to help implement the new standards on perinatal safety? That is a great question, Sophie, and I'm really glad to be able to answer that. Um, A1 has um, several resources already available that maybe people are using or um, are aware of but are not using. Um, The post-birth warning signs is one. Uh, That is one of the requirements for joint commission that printed material is to be given to the patients and the post-birth warning signs are available. We also have uh, critical care obstetric education, which is the CCOE. There is the hypertension module is already out um, and available. That's an online module that um, participants can take to provide that education piece for hypertension. The postpartum hemorrhage module is due to come out at the beginning of the year. Um, Same thing there, the education. We currently have an OPS program, like I mentioned earlier, it's the Obstetric Patient Safety Program. It currently only covers postpartum hemorrhage, but we are in the process of expanding that. Um, the, The workshop itself now has a simulation piece and you go over simulation and debriefing, which um, is part of what Joint Commission is requesting. Um, The new course will expand into um, involving uh, emergency room nurses, ICU nurses, um, more simulation, really honing in on that simulation and the debriefing piece, um, providing that education. The risk assessment tools are available for postpartum hemorrhage um, through the OPS course or the postpartum hemorrhage modules and the staging algorithm as well. Uh, The the risk assessment that A1 uses is um, highly reliable to predict um, a severe postpartum hemorrhage. We have, uh, there's many risk assessments out there, but the risk assessment that A1 has involves uh, many of the risk factors that other ones do not, plus they, um, we have the interventions on there that you would want to uh, incorporate um, based on the risk assessment. Um, I really want to kudos to Tony there for, I love that she said, um, Joint Commission, tardy to the party. Um, I love that saying. I, I always say that, you know, it's kind of bittersweet that, you know, Joint Commission, it took Joint Commission to to step up finally. Um, but that's, you know, sweet that they did, but it's kind of bitter that it, it took joint commission. So um, I hope that everybody can um, reach out on, you know, the A1 website, or like Jean um, had mentioned, the hubs, um, lots of people share information on there, um, resources and um, suggestions. Um, and please check out the, the A1 um Uh, store for um, opportunities that they can partake in because the resources are there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Wonderful. All right. Well, Tony, Jean, and Susan, thank you again for all of your hard work and dedication to caring for mothers and babies. 
And thank you again for taking the time out of your hectic schedules to share your insights with our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. Anytime. And to all of our listeners, please be sure to visit our website at a1.org for the resources mentioned in this episode. Please note that this information is not intended to replace a consultation with your provider. And as always, if you're having an emergency, please dial 911. Until we meet again, remember that we are all stronger together. This has been Sophia Navard for A1 Insights.